Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. I'm Darren Hefty. We're going to be talking about hail and storm-damaged crops. There's certainly been a lot of pretty tough weather events that have that have happened across the well really across all of North America and we're going to talk about that on today's show. I was just this is a little bit off uh, this hail and storm damaged crops but kind of one of the aftermaths in some of the areas that have had just so much water. I was just chatting with a farmer today and he he was talking about the last time they had this much water and he, he farms not too far away from a lake. He said it literally took two years for that water table to go back down to where his tile lines would even run again. And that gets to be a challenge. You know, when you think about drain tile, and I know we talk about it a lot of times on our show about, hey, this is one of the solutions, and it certainly can be a solution. And it's something that on our farm, we, we really, when we pick up farm ground, we try to get it tiled as soon as we can uh, because it makes so much of a difference. But all that that tile is doing is trying to control where the water table is at. And if you can still outlet, uh, you can you can move some water. But when that water is so high that you can't even outlet it anymore, like let's just say, for example, you had a perfectly flat field. And around the outside of the field, you had a ditch that was, say, four feet deep. And you run your tile line out into the ditch, and it's probably three foot down. So you got one foot uh, above the bottom of the ditch. Well, if that water is above that, you just can't outlet. You don't have anywhere for the water to go. So, yep, the water's going to fill your tile lines, but your tile lines aren't going to run because there's no place they can get rid of water. And that's where a lift station comes in if you pump it to a lift station. So picture a big tank at the end of your field, and then you've got a pump that's in the tank and it pumps it out. You can keep pumping and, and keep trying to fight it. And it certainly helps. It's not free, but it certainly helps. And we've got uh, one lift station on our farm that I'm thinking of uh, in one of my fields that, um, that that was the case back in 2018 and 2019, that we could continue to pump water out and we did still have decent crops in there. But outside of that, if we didn't have a lift station, we wouldn't have been able to do anything. And, you know, so that is just something to think about if you're saying, man, I just got to get this ground tiled. I agree with you 100%. Tile is, in almost every case, going to be a good deal. It's just not always going to run unless you've got a lift station on the end. So just something to think about there. All right. Uh, when we talk about the hail and storm damage crops, uh, I'll just speak from firsthand some of the stuff that we've got in our farm. And we have not had as bad a storm as uh, even neighbors just a few miles away. So we, we definitely aren't complaining here at all. But, you know, even though we've missed the hail for the most part, we've had a little bit of hail, but even though we've missed it for the most part, we've got a lot of leaves on our corn plants that are stripped. They're they're ripped up, kind of shredded, and starting to grow out of that now. The good thing with corn is at this point where we're at, where we've got maybe V5 corn, so five leaf corn, or five collar corn, I should say, uh, we're putting on a new leaf every week or more. And so, yep, the shredded leaves are getting replaced or getting overshadowed anyway by the new leaves that are coming out of that look really good. And it is hard to look at. It, it, there's definitely a bunch of our fields that, that oh, my 
goodness, they look really, really rough. But then you come back a week or two weeks later to those same spots and you say, yeah, I can still see the shredded leaf toward the bottom of the plant, but man, it looks really good what's coming out now. And that's kind of the thing you have to tell yourself is, okay, I know there's going to be some new leaves coming. The stock is still okay. Uh, it's just shredded leaves. So we're lucky, like you say. Others, not so lucky, where there is some big hail, it may have clipped everything off right at ground level, which, hey, if you're only at V5 corn or less, the growing point's below the ground, and you got a shot that that corn plant's going to keep growing. But if you're past that, then you've really got to do some evaluation. So here's kind of where we were hoping to get to today is it's June 6th, and there's a lot of times, even in the north where we farm, that we've got knee-high corn by now if, if we've got decent weather. We don't have that this year, but some years we do. And at that point, if you have a hailstorm, you've got to do more than just evaluating, well, how much leaf area did I lose and, and is that going to hurt me and yield? You've got to look at the stock too. And on corn plants, the problem with a lot of the hailstorms, in my opinion, one of the, the factors that should get talked about a little bit more is the wind. Because you've got wind and it's leaning those corn plants over and now those stocks are exposed. If you have hailstones that are just dropping straight down out of the sky, uh, yep, for the most part, you're going to shred off leaves and that kind of thing, but you don't get as much stock damage normally as you do when it comes with some wind. The stocks are laying over and they get beat on the whole time. What happens on those spots where the stocks get beat on is is oftentimes they just make a weak spot that, that could break off later. So to me, I'm usually going through with my arm and I'm just going right down the row on a, on a cornfield. I'll go right down the row with my arm just a few inches off the ground and if the plants snap and don't pop back up, they just snap right off or they break and lay there, uh, that, that's going to give me a better indication of if I need to consider replanting or, or what kind of expectations I'm going to have for that crop. With soybeans this year, even though we haven't had the worst of weather, we have had some beans that have crusted and uh, broke off trying to get out of the ground. And then we've also had some that got up. It had a problem. And this was kind of interesting to me. We were, it's interesting and sad too, but we, we had a soybean field that we did more than 20 different seed treatment trials, just looking at things that could influence emergence and stand and, and handle diseases better, those types of things. So we were looking at a lot of different seed treatments. Well, we had one seed treatment that got the beans out of the ground so fast, they literally uh, were a few inches tall before the cotyledons opened up. And we thought, well, that is really unusual. I haven't really seen that before, but uh, it, it was kind of exciting that we thought, oh, well, that's that really made a difference. We'll see how that impacts things later on. Well, with that taller stem and bad timing of a storm coming through where other beans were just popping up or maybe just an inch above the ground, those tall ones snapped and we lost a lot of stand in those areas. So it's just something that's important to get out there and take a look at and, and see what you've got going. So we're gonna to talk to a few experts on hail and storm damage crops on today's show, but we'll also keep our phone lines open. So if you wanna talk about what's going on in your farm, good or bad, uh, it's 844-44-AG-PHD. We'll be right back. Boost your productivity and profitability with Soil Warrior from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and your yield potential in just one strip-till pass. Now that's ROI. Contact us today at SoilWarrior.com. 
The Pentair Hypro Express Flush Valve reduces plug nozzles and improves cleanout of your spray boom. Simply flush boom sections with a quarter turn ball valve and leave your tools in the cab. Plus, installation is easy. Simply remove the existing end cap plug and replace with the Hypro Express Flush Valve. Learn more at pentair.com slash hypro. It's planting season. Race against the clock season. Mistakes can't happen season. And no one helps you face it all like John Deere. Putting technology in your hands that gets you in and out of the field faster. That makes your spacing and depth more accurate. And that gives you the confidence that this season will be your best season. See what you have to gain at johndeere.com slash gain ground. Warehouse, what can we do for you? Yeah, I'm looking for some nitrogen. All right, we're running low and it's awful pricey, but uh, let me check. Hold the answer to low supply and high prices for nitrogen is Invita, a microbe with systemic nitrogen fixation. Invita works throughout the foliage and roots, providing a right place, right time source of nitrogen to maximize yield in corn, wheat, and soybeans. Yeah, we're all out, but... You know what? I'll take some of that Invita. <laughs> That's what I was going to recommend. Book your Invita while supplies last. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. Back, you're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We're broadcasting from the Morton studio today, and our topic, I know, this is a hard one, hail and storm-damaged crops. We don't want it to happen, but we know sooner or later it's going to because weather's weather. We can't really control that. So we're going to talk today just about evaluation and, and what you can do and if there are some things you can do to, to help yourself out here. Uh, we'll talk about soybeans. We'll talk about other crops. Uh, and certainly our phone lines are open if you want to bring up another area of concern or, or something you're thinking about here. It's 844-44-AG-PHD. Uh, got Mike Staten on with us right now at Michigan State University. Mike, thanks for taking on this subject that uh, it's kind of depressing to think about that we're going to get hit by these crops. But I, I bet Michigan probably isn't immune to the, the weather either. We're not, Darren, and I appreciate the opportunity to talk about it. Like you say, it is a difficult subject, but with soybeans, I don't think it has to be dire. All right, so talk to us about that. So we we personally have some soybeans that we are replanting because because we had a wind storm and we had some damage out there, and it and it's you know hey here we are it's the sixth of June we're still pretty early we can get a crop in we got time but uh, I know it doesn't look good out there and it's no fun running that planter through the field the second time. No, it's not. It's not. Uh, so when we're looking at hail damage specifically, soybeans are really pretty tough, except for in the, when they're first emerging. That's when they're the most vulnerable, that crook stage. Boy, you know, you imagine hail hitting that, that arch. Uh, it, it just is going to damage the plant severely because it's below the lowest uh, growing point, uh, the lowest node. So that can be devastating. If that's what you've got, it's, uh, yeah, it's pretty much toast. But other than that, um, hail damage on soybeans in those vegetative stages, uh, they, they can respond pretty well. They can look really, really ugly. 
as long as they have some either the green cotyledon or some partial green leaves there to conduct photosynthesis. If you've got those uh, that kind of uh, um, photosynthesis uh, capability, those plants can surprisingly come back and produce a, a viable yield. I love your optimism, Mike, and I know that it's based on years and years of observations here, and I share your observations. It just it stinks that first day or that first week after the storm because you look and you think it's terrible. So my advice is this, and see what you think. I, I usually advise guys, okay, have somebody else other than you look at the crop, somebody that's not financially tied to the field that could be objective because it's really hard even for me to be objective when I know these things when I'm looking at my own crop that's damaged. I think that's excellent advice. I really like that advice. Uh, maybe a seed dealer or uh, you know independent consultant or, or your, your ag supplier consultant, I think makes a lot of sense to me. Have, have another set of eyes look at it uh, because it is amazing how, how they, can, they can come back in those vegetative stages. And uh, of course, that's when the decision is the most important. As you mentioned, you could still come in and, and replant, take some action. We're in the reproductive stages Really, there's nothing we can do. Um, but, Darren, that's when the damage is really the most severe on soybeans is. After flowering, um, that just hail damage can just be really, really increases quite rapidly after that. You know, I was thinking about that with the storms we've already had this year, and I'm, I don't know. Some people are saying, well, we've had storms early, so we're going to have storms later. And I'm like, no, we usually get a couple of these a year. We've already had them. So we might be in a good spot here going forward the rest of this year. How about for the growers that are planting a little bit later this year? And uh, I, I look at that sometimes. I know nobody wants to plant late, but hey, you put them in warm soil, they jumped right out of the ground and they're they're growing fast. And, you know, you think about these crops that have been in for a while, they've been through a lot. So I don't, I don't think these late planted guys are really at that much of a disadvantage right now either. No, it's, it's a year to year thing. But when you look at all of the data, you know, from all of the, the planting date trials, there is certainly an early season advantage. Um, but, but there is some year-to-year -year variability in that. And as you point out, one of those is if you get ideal conditions there later in the season and you had challenging conditions earlier in the season, then things can, can equal out. Um, of course, some management practices can help equal those out a little bit too. Um, you know, I don't know what you guys plant with, but uh, it's probably time not to be planting in 30-inch uh, rows anymore um, and probably increasing planting rates if we have to. Um, not quite time to adjust our maturities yet. We Here in Michigan, we say hold with what you have, uh, even a full season bean until the 15th of, of June. You know, those are a lot of the questions that we get. Okay, I've got to replant. Do I plant the same maturity? Do I plant something a little bit different? Uh, and what are my expectations going to be? And I, I share your thoughts, Mike, on this. And of course, my, a lot of my thoughts like yours are based on, well, what's the data show us? Uh, what, what has worked in previous years? And that's going to give us a good guy to what to go on and and i do think guys switch out of maturities a little on the early side yes and they, there might be reasons for doing that if they wanted to plant wheat you know winter wheat things like that because that that crop really does respond to planting dates we've seen that in michigan and so if that's your objective is like a multi-year systems approach then maybe you do need to switch out and plant uh, an earlier maturity um uh, bean. One thing we've seen, Darren, is uh, there's a really good uh, crop uh, growth model out of University of Nebraska, and I've been playing with that a little bit. It's part of their soy water program. 
And it is really cool because you can put in different planting dates, different maturity groups, and uh, soil types and and everything, and it gives you when that it predicts when that crop is going to meet its uh, its growth stage, and you can look at some of the key growth stages R three for example for irrigation applications or you know R seven for uh, you know frost free risk damage, um, so you can you can sort of see those kinds of things, and one of the things that it shows is that maturity group selection definitely trumps planting date as far as determining your your final uh, harvest date. And I thought that was kind of interesting. So I don't know if you get a chance to to play with that or not, but it, it is really a very user-friendly um, growth stage model. Yeah, University of Nebraska crop growth model. That's very interesting. I, I know there's been a lot of neat tools out there, and we do appreciate the work that's being done at the university level to help us out. We're talking with Mike Staten here with Michigan State. Mike, I think soybeans are one of the more uh, mysterious crops for growers. They feel like, you know, if I'm raising corn or wheat, I can I can predict a lot of things, but soybeans, we can never give up on a soybean crop because somehow they can still make yield, even if all the odds are against them. We're talking about hail and storm damage here today, but I, I don't know. It, it is a really fun crop. It's just, man, it's a little more tricky than some of the other crops. It is. It is. I think it's maybe more defensive, in my opinion. If we do a good job with our variety selection, and things like that, I, I think it can be a very defensive crop, a drought tolerant, more drought tolerant. Of course, they've made a lot of progress in corn drought tolerance, but traditionally it's been more drought tolerant. Uh, um, and so, yeah, I, I think uh, it, it has been a resilient type of a crop. Uh, thin stands, they can they can perform very well in the thin stands, uh, just a number of things. They, But, um, yeah, but then you hear the other side of the story. How do you really push them? to get maximum yields. And that's really interesting because I always hear anecdotal stories where somebody, um, you know, had something left over in their spray tank or something and they make one pass in the field until that residual gets out of the spray tank and they've got the best looking beans they've ever seen in their life in that, that one strip, that one beginning planting of the field. And then they can't repeat it. They don't know exactly what it was or, or just what it was. So we'll get phenomenal yields uh, with some management practices and, and they will, um, you know, respond to them. But by and large, sometimes they don't respond consistently to some of the management practices we throw out. No, you're right. And I hear the same things. There's a lot of, man, I don't know what I did, but it sure worked. And I wish I could get it again. And that's part of the thing that keeps this going. It's kind of like my golf game, Mike. Every once in a while, I, I play like two or three times a year and I hit one good shot and I think, man, I have it in me. I could do this, but I, I just can't <laughs> repeat that. And growing soybeans is a little bit like that, but that's why we turn to experts like Mike Staten here with Michigan State. Mike, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on. Love to have you back sometime. Thank you, Don. Have a great day. You bet. You too. Yep, we're tackling hail and storm damage crops on today's show, and uh, hopefully you don't have any of those on your farm at this point, but it's good to have some information and, and game plans so you can think through, all right, this happened, here's what I can do, here's how I can still make money and make a good crop on my farm. Uh, so we'll talk through some of those strategies today and take your calls and questions as well at 844-44-AG-PHD. Take a second and listen. You hear that? 
That's the sound of your roots growing where they've never gone before. There are additional nutrients and water in your soil, hidden in tough-to-reach spaces. With MycoApply Endoprime, hyphae attach to the root hairs to reach small areas inaccessible to big roots, even some that are tied up in the soil. Applied in furrow at planting, MycoApply Endoprime uses four, four unique species of mycorrhizal fungi to go where roots can't. Unlock the potential of your corn crop with MycoApply Endoprime, and by nurturing your soil today, you're helping to ensure future harvest will be just as bountiful. For more information, talk to your local retailer or visit valent.com slash endoprime. Always read and follow label instructions. Come to the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event this summer. Here at Ag PhD, we're always looking for ways to support and encourage folks entering the ag industry. That's why we're devoting a full day, Saturday, June 25th, to the free Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event. Though this day is geared towards high school and college students as well as young farmers, anyone with a desire to learn more about agronomy is more than welcome. Our hands-on sessions in the field will include a comprehensive guide to scouting, ways to improve soil and crop health, the role of natural microbes in farming, and how to best collect and manage on-farm data. Plus, we're giving away tens of thousands of dollars in scholarships to eligible attendees. So whether you're a college student or just want some good agronomy information, this is one event you won't want to miss. It's the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships Day, Saturday, June 25th on the Hefty Farm near Baltic, South Dakota. Learn more and register at agphd.com. Maximum application flexibility, maximum yields at harvest, whether or not. Relentless is the kind of control you'll always get with Anthem Max Herbicide from FMC. Low use rate Anthem Max Herbicide protects corn and soybean crops from the toughest broadleaf weeds and grasses, including water hemp, palmer pigweed, foxtails, crabgrass, and more. Dual modes of action and lasting overlapping residuals also help you minimize resistance in your fields. Its easy to tank mix formulation and wide application window make Anthem Max Herbicide the crop protection choice that's ready when you are. Rain or shine. Weather or not, relentless. That's Anthem Max Herbicide from FMC. Visit your FMC retailer or ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow all label directions. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, and we're broadcasting from the Morton studio today. Our topic is a tough one. It's hail and storm damage crops, but we're going to branch out a little bit from that too and just talk about a lot of the different stresses that our crops have and, and some of the data and research that we're seeing. I think it's so important to to pull ourselves back from the emotion, yep, something bad happened to my crop or is happening to my crop, uh, and, and focus on, okay, what can I do? What's the next best thing that I can do? Uh, and I know we, a lot of us are out looking at some of the damage that's happening right now, and I think uh, our next guest is as well. Got Ron Heininger on with us right now with North Carolina State University. Ron, you guys got some storms and, and bad weather there too? Yeah, we sure did. Yeah, Friday afternoon, uh, a bad hailstorm came through Washington and Beaufort County's North Carolina. You know, this is in the far east of the state. 
and uh, really did a number on some corn and a little wheat that was even ready to harvest. So, yeah, very disappointing to to see that, particularly when you're getting the combine ready and all of a sudden it's not there anymore. Oh, that's that's for sure. And, uh, you know, I, I think one of the things that I'll take away from this right away is you're going out there a few days after and taking a look. So you've had a few days now to see stuff. That can make a big difference sometimes just to see, okay, what's what's gonna what's it going to look like down the road? Yeah, that's exactly right, Dan. It, it's uh, very important not to get caught up in – in that first day and uh, let the emotion get away from you. You need to really just be patient. Uh, the old uh, saying out here is go to the beach for a few days, <laughs> even though that's sort of hard to do. Why uh, go, go away for just a little while and, and then come back. Like, give it four or five days and see what the crop will, will do. See how much response you're getting from it. That'll tell you a lot about how many uh, mare stems have been damaged, uh, how much leaf damage you really have. That'll help a lot in assessing uh, where it goes from there. You know, early season damage that we're getting right now, our crop is really small, is way different than that later season damage and the damage when you're in the reproductive stages or in the growing points or exposed and these types of things. Um, You know, I think about harvestability of some of this stuff, too, if it's later on in the season. What are you seeing specifically right now? Are you seeing a lot of stock damage or are you just seeing complete wipeouts or or what's it look like? Yeah, it's it's a little bit of, of everything. Yeah, our corn is in the V8, V9 stage, so it's no longer in that early stage development. So our, our mare stems, that stem or stalk is about six inches, uh, maybe a little more above the ground. So we had some um, golf ball-sized hail in places, and, and that cut that at, in front of a 50-mile-an-hour wind, and that just cut those stalks right off at the ground. So that corn... Uh, in a way, uh, that's sort of both good news and bad news. It's good news in that you could take a quick look at it and say, oh, yeah, this is gone. This this, this is uh, unrecoverable. Um, but in the bad news, of course, uh, you're going to have to start planning for something else. But uh, And there's still time here in North Carolina to plant some beans and stuff behind that. On the other hand, um, if you're just getting leaf damage, which again, at the edges of this storm, why then that the hail was smaller, you're just getting some leaf shredding damage. Well, that becomes more difficult to assess because if it's just leaf damage, that corn or soybean plant could take a lot of leaf damage. Uh, we've done research. It took over 70%. We removed over 70% of the leaf area and didn't affect the yield one bit, even at wow. V8, V9 corn. So it can take a lot of leaf damage without really hurting you very much. So if it's just leaf damage, why, it's it's going to recover. Now, the problem with hail is sometimes it looks like it's just leaf damage, but you've got bruising of the lower stem or the whorl that then cause, starts to, to die out and causes some some necrosis in there and infects the growing point. So you got to be a little careful and assess. And so it, it becomes more difficult, really, where you've got um, uh, a damage where you say, well, gee, I think the meristems are okay, but, but it's enough leaf or stalk damage to hurt me then. 
Yeah, you mentioned the the leaf damage, and a lot of times people will talk about, well, what can I do then to reduce stress, to help the crop grow? And I mean, the best thing we can have, of course, is a 75, 80 degree day with some sunshine, and we have plenty of moisture, hopefully got a little moisture with the storm, so we got everything in place. But uh, what, what else do you see? Do you see fungicide applications or anything else helping out? Yes, that's exactly right. That's a good point. The, one of the things that we see being beneficial is fungicide applications. Uh, in soybeans, you'll get some uh, bacterial leaf blight uh, when you get this kind of damage. And, and so, uh, along with other fungus, fungal organisms coming in, so a little fungicide, of course, won't hurt. It won't help the bacterial leaf blight, but it will some of these other uh, diseases like that like to tag on to some leaf damage. Uh, and the same is true in corn. Uh, we like to have them put on a little fungicide. Um, if we can find uh, a little potassium um, uh, at the time, can strengthen that plant a little bit against this damage. Um, we also are pl- trying or playing with some of these biologicals, which seem to, to stimulate that plant's um, defense mechanism and and help that plant recover so it's sort of like a person who's gotten um, uh, in a car accident while you try to take some medicine that that helps your body heal a little bit after such a trauma you know there are a lot of things that you you have to think about and you mentioned some of this 50 mile an hour wind and just stalks clipped off at the ground so it's an easy choice hey i've got to replant i know there's no hope here but i know the next concern a lot of guys will have is wait what was the herbicide program? What did I put in? Right. What kind of rotational things are going to happen? Are there some big watch outs that you'd say, oh man, if you use this one, then you really can't go back to soybeans and you should go back to corn or something else? Or what What are you seeing in North Carolina? Yeah, that's exactly right. It becomes really an issue of what herbicide programs have you put down? Did you use atrazine uh, or, or something else where it makes soybeans not really a, a possibility? So then you're stuck uh, maybe think about grain sorghum or something like that. I mean, we could plant corn here even into June. Now you're taking a yield loss as you get this late. But um, you got to think about that herbicide program. On the other hand, coming back with corn in a, in a uh, well, for instance, an early hail situation, and you got some plants that recover and some plants that don't recover, say, by B3, B5 stage, why... Then what you got sort of a mess. You got older plants that mingled right. in with this replanted corn. Uh, a lot of times we try to get them to think about, uh, you know, can we use something like Select? Of course, you can't use Roundup in Roundup Ray Corn, so Select Max or something to kill out that stand so you get a clean start or till it. Uh, use tillage in those cases, although a lot of our guys don't like to till after you've already um, got the field prepared like that. But um, yeah, it. it Herbicide the, the decisions, uh, what volunteer, what might come back from, from that storm that doesn't get uh, damaged, um, those are considerations you really got to take into account as you think about that uh, replant and that, that what you're going to do there. Yeah, there, there are a lot of things to, to consider, and especially when we've got crop prices like we do. All these decisions have a oh. lot of dollars behind them, so yeah, everybody's sure pretty emotional do. about it. 
gee, that's a true. Yeah, it's like that wheat crop I mentioned. The, the guy was ready to harvest, and now we're looking at just a complete loss in you know, a $15 wheat. <laughs> that, that sort of puts a, a big hole in your heart right there. But, uh, yeah, it, it gets very emotional because nitrogen, if you put already, like many of our guys with this V8, V9 corn, have already put um, – to our units and that's two hundred dollars uh nitrogen out there yeah now what are you gonna do with that investment so yeah it's it becomes uh you gotta think it really you gotta go through all the the um options that you've got you really gotta weigh how much has crops been damaged how much uh, can i um count on it recovering you got to weigh what can i do when it is completely destroyed that that makes sense and dollars and cents and then how do i get that job done so yeah it, there's lots of steps in in a damaged crop that you have to go through well, farming is not for the faint of heart that is for sure we're <laughs> talking with ron heininger here with north carolina state ron you are great thank you so much really appreciate having you on today sure thank you thank you yeah, it really stinks having to look at hailed out crop. Ron was talking about uh, a wheat crop just totally wiped out just before harvest, and those kind of things just rip your heart out. But uh, we're tackling this tough subject of hail and storm damage crops on today's Ag PhD radio program. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Maintaining your crops is as important now as it's ever been. Howler, a revolutionary fungicide from AgBiome, can help. It provides long-lasting protection from a broad spectrum of foliar and soil diseases that affect crops. Howler is OMRI listed, has multiple modes of action, and has minimal pre-harvest and re-entry intervals. It's flexible, easy to use, and is available right now. Visit agbiome.com forward slash Howler to learn more. Growing up on the farm, I woke up as early as mom and dad. I put as many hours on the tractor, changed as many teeth on the tiller as my brothers. It doesn't matter if you're young or old, man or woman. When there's work to be done, you put your boots on and you do it. I do that on my farm and in my job at Case IH. My name is Kelsey, I'm a farmer, and I work for Case IH. Case IH, built by farmers. Be sure to attend the 2022 Ag PhD Field Day. I'm Darren Hefty. The Ag PhD Field Day isn't until the last Thursday in July, but we invite you to mark your calendars today for our biggest event ever. Each summer on the last Thursday in July, we invite you to attend the Ag PhD Field Day. The reason we invite farmers from across the country and around the world to our farm each summer is to say thank you. Ag PhD TV has had a brand new episode each week for 24 years, and we've been doing a radio show almost as long as well. At this year's Ag PhD Field Day, we'll have way more equipment and equipment demonstrations than we've ever had before. We've got a lot of new technologies we'll put into our research plots on site, and we'll have great family entertainment, including a kid's area, music, fantastic guest speakers, and free food and drinks all throughout the day. Please go to agphd.com to learn more, and don't forget to join us on Thursday, July 28th for the free Ag PhD Field Day. Do you have crop failures due to flooding, drought, or another event? You may need to consider a better burndown regimen. Adding just two ounces of New Farm Panther SC to your tank mix not only provides faster results, it provides residual that lasts you gain flexibility to keep your cropping options open. Ask your dealer for Panther SC and get Panther Power in your tank. 
It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting corteva.us. listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today, tackling a tough subject, hail and storm damage crops. What do you do when those things happen and how can you still be successful? It's really hard because it gets so emotional. It sure does for me anyway. So I'm assuming it does for you as well when this happens. There's a lot of dollars at stake and a lot of hard work and uh, certainly... Uh, uh, not not something anybody wants to experience, but we know it's going to happen. So just trying to get prepared for that today. We'll keep our phone lines open, too. If you have any questions ab- about this subject or just anything going on on your farm right now, it's 844-44-AG-PHD. Uh, let's head down south a little bit here. We've got Jeremy Ross with us down at University of Arkansas to talk a little about uh, some of this damage in row crops. Jeremy, how you doing? Pretty good, Darren. I appreciate the opportunity to, to talk to you all about a tough subject today. Yeah, yeah, no doubt about that. And have you seen some of these storms? That we've sure had them already this year, but fortunately some of them came before we even had crop up. But how about for you guys down in Arkansas? Yeah, we've had about three different systems come through in the last month and a half or so that's dropped some hail in some isolated areas. And and routinely, you know, we, we get a number of thunderstorms through the Mid-South any given year. So I've, I've seen my share of hail damage, and it seems like we've got a little bit more this year than we typically, you know, on our normal year. So We, we do up here, too. We've had more events, and I know our, our National Weather Services said there's only one year, I think it was 2004, that had more uh, severe thunderstorm alerts and, and so forth than, than this particular year. So it doesn't necessarily mean that's going to continue. But, yeah, up to this point, it's been a pretty rocky rocky year. Where where are your crops at down in Arkansas right now? I know the, the planting windows can sometimes spread out down there. It is. Um, you know, the, the last couple of years we've had some abnormally wet conditions, and so we've been delayed. But this year – it looks like we're kind of back into the normal, you know, planning window. Um, last week we were, you know, in the mid eighties on soybeans being completed on planning. Uh, we had a really good uh, week last week, uh, after the Memorial day weekend. And so I'm hoping that, you know, we're in that lower 90% planted. So, uh, we're actually ahead of the five year average and ahead of where we've been the last several years. So a lot of guys are, are looking, pretty good on on soybeans rice and corn are pretty much wrapped up uh we've still got a little bit of cotton to get in the ground but um there's some guys you know that are waiting uh, that have missed some rains and are waiting for some rains to get some moisture back into the field so they can get planted uh we actually had a system come through this morning uh, we're trying to wrap up our research plots and, and got rained out this morning so um Hopefully they only got about a tenth, uh, two tenths, and so hopefully in the next 
day or two, we can get over there and finish up that planning. Do you guys do any of the, the hail research where you're spraying ice onto fields and that kind of stuff? We've seen some, some crazy uh, hail contraptions trying to get some of this data. Yeah, there's uh you know, we, we've used some of those apparatus and, um, you know, I, I worked in soybeans or I worked in rice in my PhD and my major professor did some of that work back years ago. And, uh, he had horror stories of having to go and buy, you know, hundreds of pounds of ice <laughs> and run it through this machine. And it was loud and probably not OSHA approved. And, uh, you know, those, those were pretty back in the day, but, but, you know, we've done some work, uh, for the national crop insurance services, um, the last several years. And mainly, you know, they really wanted us to look at late season damage, you know, so starting at R1 to, to R5 because there'd been a lot of information on early season, you know, from, you know, emergence to V6 or something like that. So we, we've actually done some work here in the last several years looking at late season uh, damage on hail. You know, and that gets to be the tough stuff because I agree with you. The early stages, I mean, hey, we're in, we've got V5 corn and we've got soybeans that uh, have got their first trifoliates, that kind of stuff. We we all know what to expect there. It's pretty, pretty easy to evaluate, but man, when you're, when you're tasseled out, when you're uh, flowering on soybeans, that that's where it gets to be some tough calls made. Uh, what are some of the key factors you think with some of that mid to late season observation that the guys need to be aware of? So, you know, the, the research that we did, uh, we were, you know, Arkansas is, you know, I guess kind of unique that we have, you know, indeterminate and determinate varieties grown. And so that was the main reason they kind of wanted us to do some of that research. And so we looked at, you know, a group four and a group five uh, variety for during the years we looked at that. Hey, Jeremy, let me pause for just one second, just for our growers up north who don't know what you're talking about here. Uh, so what, what Jeremy's saying is in Arkansas, they can plant soybeans that do all their vegetative growth first and then start to flower. In the north, we're raising indeterminate beans that can be flowering and still growing vegetative stage at the same time. So they've got some of those beans. I'd say predominantly indeterminate still. Am I correct in that, Jeremy? Unless you're talking yeah, yeah, we're, double crop. Yeah, we're probably yeah, we're probably eighty five percent, you know, indeterminate group fours uh, yeah. is and and mainly the the mid to late fours is what we focus on. But we still got, you know, some farmers that still like to grow, you know, the group fives. And from a five zero to about a five five, we we hardly have anybody anymore growing anything past past that five five. So, the research that we did, we, you know, we really couldn't simulate, you know, the actual hail damage because, you know, when you're looking at that, you've got, you know, broken stems and broken petioles, reduced leaf, you know, uh, leaves knocked off, pet pod damage, and so, you know, what we mainly did was went and strip the plants at different, you know, percentages from, you know, no, no stripping all the way to a hundred percent. And so we really couldn't, you know, simulate the exact hail damage because we couldn't, again, cause those broken stems and the, the, the bruising of the stems that we typically see with some of our later maturity uh, soybeans. But, you know, if you look at the data, you know, our, you know, indeterminate R at R1 we could take about you know fifty to seventy five percent leaf reduction and still maintain yield, but if you're looking at the determinant or group fives, you know it was only about twenty five percent leaf re, you know 
reduction. And that's when we started losing the yield. And the main reason is we, we were still putting on additional leaves with our indeterminate, you know, varieties at that R1. And then if you look at R4 and R5, uh, you know, about, you know, 25 to 50% uh, foliage reduction. Uh, after that, we started seeing some yield reduction. The main reason is, is we're losing that uh, leaf area and, and the pod sizes were smaller, the seed sizes were smaller, and we, and we just didn't get the, the good pod feel uh, when we reduced those. Sure. And so when, you, when you're looking at hail, you've got to factor in the leaf loss along with the, the damage to the stems and the bruising of the stems. And that's usually the really hard thing to judge because um, you know, that's going to be a weak, a weak point throughout the entire season. You're going to probably see increased lodging. It's a, you know, a, a avenue where diseases can get in or insects can get in and cause damage to that seed or that stem. And so we, we were pretty pleased with the, the data that we got out of that, uh, late, looking at the late season, the damage. Yeah, you're right. Much, much more difficult to judge. And that stock damage is the piece that uh, I think the the really good agronomists and crop consultants and university folks that, that have been around for quite a while and can be, I don't know, my dad always said, you got to be a little bit harsh on, on judging those stems. You got you to gotta have a negative outlook on it because he said more times than not, it surprised him over the years. And I found him to be right on that too. If they're deep bruises, uh, I discount them pretty quick. Absolutely. We're talking with Jeremy Ross here down at University of Arkansas. Well, Jeremy, hopefully all of the storms are done in Arkansas and you get a break from that kind of evaluation work this year. But I uh, sure appreciate well, having hope, you on the show today. I hope, I hope so. But, you know, hurricane season's getting ready to kick off, too. So we have to deal with that every once in a while. So You bet. Well, Darren, I appreciate it. You bet. Thanks a lot, Jeremy. It was, it was great talking to you. You know, the... The subject is a tough one, hail and storm damage crops, but uh, sure appreciate all the work that, that the folks on the university level and, and the crop insurance companies as well are doing on this. It's it's really valuable for us because when it does happen, uh, it's kind of nice to, to know, hey, you can lose this kind of percentage of your foliage and so forth if your stem is okay and, and still turn out okay. It gives us a lot of uh, encouragement going forward. I've had a number of questions come in here for the Ag PhD mailbag. We're going to dive into that coming up right after this. With superior materials, craftsmanship, and best-in-class warranty, a Morton machine storage or workshop is built to stand the test of time. To learn how we can help you expand your farm operation, visit mortonbuildings.com. Get an extra semi-load out of your grain bin. The end zone from Farm Shop MFG can increase your stored beans moisture from 10 to 13%. On a 20,000 bushel bin, that's a free extra semi-load. Visit farmshopmfg.com for more. At Corteva AgriScience, we want to keep farms healthy and productive, today and tomorrow. That's why we're investing in a robust pipeline of naturally derived biologicals. Meet Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer. It's a sustainable nitrogen fixation product that facilitates crop growth and optimizes yield potential. With the fluctuation in fertilizer prices, Utricia N is a reliable solution. It can be used alongside your traditional nitrogen program to enhance your ROI this year. For more information, visit Corteva.us. Come to the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event this summer. Here at Ag PhD, we're always looking for ways to support and encourage folks entering the ag industry. That's why we're devoting a full day, Saturday, June 25th, to the free Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event. 
Though the stay is geared towards high school and college students as well as young farmers, anyone with a desire to learn more about agronomy is more than welcome. Our hands-on sessions in the field will include a comprehensive guide to scouting, ways to improve soil and crop health, the role of natural microbes in farming, and how to best collect and manage on-farm data. Plus, we're giving away tens of thousands of dollars in scholarships to eligible attendees. So whether you're a college student or just want some good agronomy information, this is one event you won't want to miss. It's the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships Day, Saturday, June 25th on the Hefty Farm near Baltic, South Dakota. Learn more and register at agphd.com. What does it really mean to provide the best crop nutrition? With AgroLiquid, it means getting a one-of-a-kind approach, one that caters to your specific agronomic needs. You're getting experts who will work with you to create a program unique to your operation, all while accounting for the quality of your soil and the products you're already using. It's not just a product, it's peace of mind knowing we've thought of everything. That's the AgroLiquid way. Apply less, expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Compromise is nice, if you're at the playground or scouring yard sales. But farmers know better that middle grounds have no winner. That's why there's Revitec fungicide, fast-acting and long-lasting, preventative and curative, disease control and stress reduction. So leave the settling to little Tommy at the seesaw, an old bargain bill, and take your full prize in yields with Revitec fungicide for uncompromised performance. Always read and follow label directions. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We've been been talking about something that's not the most fun, hail and storm damage crops. Uh, so I think we need to shift gears and dive into the Ag PhD mailbag. It's the mailbag! All right, uh, get this question in from Scott in Nebraska. And he said, I read a report, I think from North Dakota State University, that lower gallons per acre, like 5 to 10, kills weeds better with most systemic herbicides. And I'm familiar with that idea with glyphosate. But does that also work with herbicides like dicamba, status, uh, and volunteer corn killers and soybeans? Hey, thanks for the question, Scott. And actually, the the whole glyphosate thing, I know my dad did some work way back when, uh, when glyphosate was first coming out. And they were working on the label for Roundup at that time. And they were looking at different gallons of water. And I know dad tried as low as three gallons of water. And I think he even tried 100 gallons of water per acre uh, and, and a lot of things in between at that point and his his data showed three gallons of water worked better with roundup and ultimately that ended up what what was on the label now i'm not saying he's the only one that did that i'm sure they had lots and lots of people doing the exact same thing Uh, but yeah we've always found that lower volumes of water mean more concentrated droplets and I know back in the bean bar days when uh, Brian and Janelle and I would be riding on the bean bar and squirting Roundup on weeds out in our conventional soybean fields, uh, we found that to be true as well. If we made a more concentrated droplet, we would do a better job killing the weeds. But the downside for us at that point was the splatter and any of the uh, uh, friendly fire that went out on the soybeans around those weeds. We would kill more beans as well if we did that. So it just goes to show you the concentration of the droplets on Roundup is a big deal. So I totally agree with you on that, Scott. Now, on these other products, dicamba, status, volunteer corn, obviously you've got to follow the label label 
But should you be towards the lower end of the labeled recommendation for water volume or the higher end? We've generally had better luck on uh, the dicamba type products uh, somewhere in the middle. That 10 gallons, we've been pretty good on that. So if you consider that low, then I'd say, yeah, that's lower volumes have worked pretty good on those ones. Um, the one thing about it, if you have a very concentrated droplet on dicamba, though, it takes very little dicamba to hurt some of the neighboring plants. So we'd be really careful about drift with with that, but uh, it's not going to change the volatility so much, but but the drift, it, it, the physical drift of it blowing particles elsewhere, if they're more concentrated, that is a little bit more dangerous that way. But in terms of killing weeds, I found that to be pretty good. The volunteer corn killers, though, that one gets to be a little bit of a debate. When you think about Clethodem, Fusilade, Assure2, those types of products, Select Max, um, that that one sometimes a little more volume might help you and here's why when when you're looking at getting coverage when are you spraying the volunteer corn now if you're out there when the volunteer corn is really small it's two inches tall the beans are really small uh, then i would say hey a more concentrated droplet is probably going to do you favors because you aren't going to get too many droplets on each one of those volunteer corn plants the challenge with volunteer corn though is it can be in clumps and then getting coverage without having a little bit higher water volume gets really tough so i'd agree with you on the dicamba status type products i'm great with that 10 gallons of water the volunteer corn killers though uh, i'm a little concerned about that and i think you you just you have to use some common sense which it sounds like you're doing um, if you need the volume to get a little better coverage that that might be in your advantage hey thanks for the question scott we do appreciate that uh got one that came in came in from mk which is better soil testing or plant tissue testing well, MK, I would say both are really good. Uh, I don't want to have to choose. And, and here's the thing. We all have this choice because these tests are really inexpensive to run. Now, granted, if you've got thousands and thousands of acres and you want to do one acre grids and all that, uh, it, it's expensive, no doubt about that. It's a big investment and, and you better be able to use that data, which personally, I feel we're doing one acre grids on our soil tests right now. And I think we're getting a great return on our investment with what we're seeing and how we can use variable rate fertility uh, across the farm to address different needs of the plants. I love that, but I don't want to give up my plant tissue tests either. Now, we're not doing those on every acre. We're generally picking a couple of areas in each field and, and going from there and making some judgments that way. So typically, we take like what's one of the best areas in this farm and what's one of the best areas of this farm that I can get to without having to walk out to the dead center of the field. Because when you're raising a crop like corn that's going to get eight, nine, 10 feet tall, and it's going to be really hot and humid out in that field. I don't want to have to walk out there on a weekly basis out to the dead center of the field. So if I've got a place where I can access off a grass waterway, or if something is relatively close to the edge of the field, I don't want to be in the end rows, but uh, maybe it's only a uh, hundred yards. I got to walk out in the field as opposed to a half a mile or something. I'm going to pick those spots. So I'll pick a really good spot and then I'll pick e either a poor spot or an average spot or whatever you want out in the field just to do a little comparison and say, Hey, what's going on? That's really good in the good area that I'm going to get the highest yield in. And then what's going on in some other part of my field. And let's compare and see if I can learn anything. So I think they're both good. The other thing I'd say on the plant tissue analysis, I would try to pick a spot where you have a soil test pulled. So if you haven't pulled either of these tests, 
I'd say, great, pick a couple areas in your field based on your historic yield maps of where a good area is and where an area that's not as good. And then I'd go to that spot and pull a soil test and a plant tissue test. We're typically running a complete analysis on the plant tissue testing. Depending on which labs you send it to, it's probably 20 bucks somewhere in that neighborhood. And we're running a complete Malik soil analysis, which could cost you 10 or 15 bucks. So we're not talking about a whole lot of money. Then my other concern about this whole thing, another piece of advice would be on the plant tissue analysis. Don't just pull it one time. Uh, we recommend picking a couple of spots and then for 10 or 12 weeks during the growing season, pull it once per week and see what the trends are because those nutrient levels in the plant are going to change based on moisture and not just rain, but if your roots get deeper and get down to a deeper level in the soil, they may be able to access some nutrients that you weren't getting in the shallow part of the soil profile. So just have to, to do that over time. But I think both tests are really good. I'm not trying to take the easy way out to your MK, but uh, you definitely need to pull some soil tests. And I love having some plant tissue tests to pull as well, just to see what's going on. All right. Uh, again, another question that came in. This one's from Warren over in Wisconsin. He said, the last two years I've sprayed Enlist Duo because I've heard about compatibility issues of mixing Enlist One with Roundup PowerMax. Now, for anybody listening that, that's like, okay, what's the difference? Enlist Duo is the Enlist One chemistry, the 2,4-D choline that's fantastic, plus uh, a different formulation of glyphosate. Basically, it's Durango, uh, and, and those are very compatible, no problem. But with some of the um, potassium salts of, of uh, glyphosate, they've had some challenges with some of the mixing. Uh, so Warren says, I paid ahead for Enlist Duo. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to get it. So I'm wondering, I've got to use Enlist One, and I've got Roundup. What, what have you found with those issues? I did a jar test, and it seemed that if I put the Enlist One in first, then a little bit of ammonium sulfate, and then the Roundup, it seemed to mix up okay. Just wondering, have you seen issues adding micronutrients, adding Nutex EDA, those types of things? Um, and he says, thanks, and look forward to seeing it at the field day. Uh, hey, Warren, thanks for the question, first of all. And, yeah, I do look forward to saying hi to you at the field day. And, and I'm excited about this year's field day, too. One of the things that you're going to see, you're going to see uh, Enlist One on display, among other things out there. And what we've seen with the mixing is typically if we add more water, we do better. So where we have more problems is if someone's saying, well, I'm only going to do seven and a half gallons of water per acre or maybe 10 gallons of water per acre. If guys are running 15 gallons of water or more, it works better. Now, I know with the Roundup, we would prefer to have lower water volumes, but to overcome some of the mixing issues, uh, sometimes just adding a little bit more water has helped. So I like your mixing order. That that should work just fine. Uh, I've had some guys play with the ammonium sulfate rates, and sometimes if you're really pushing it on the high end of the rate of ammonium sulfate, you can see some more issues with this. But uh, overall, if you get that, you get those three products mixed up, you're in good shape, and and water is generally the answer. Um, and and starting with some water in the tank, uh, so you've got something for these products to bind to. That's been a nice nice little tip too. A uh, couple other things then: the micros, Nutrix EDA. You certainly can do those things if they're labeled. That's all fine, uh, and and has worked well too. And the other product that 
that you didn't mention here that you might consider is a product called Convert, which is a compatibility agent that also helps reduce the issues with tank cleanout. It's been really nice. We've been throwing that in on our farm too. So you may consider some Convert in addition. Hey, thanks, Warren. Really appreciate the question. And thanks to you for listening to today's program. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.